Let's get into the Word today, and we'll be coming back. For those of you who came with, with the burdens and needs, we are going to have our prayer partners today. It, it won't be quite as uh, smooth, maybe, as it usually is, because the message doesn't lead into it. But we will, at the end of our pledge period, the prayer partners will take their place. And if you came today and you need somebody to pray with you about anything uh, please remember to move out and let the prayer partners pray for you. We've had many answers to prayer already. All right, let's get into the Word today. Uh, going, I'm calling this series, Going Where God Sees. Going Where God Sees. It's called Go, but underneath that is a subtitle, Going Where God Sees. And so today I want to talk about the call to serve the unseen. The call to serve the unseen. And I'm going to go over to Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God sees things that you don't see. God sees places that you don't see. In Mark 6:34, crowds of people, the Bible says, Jesus saw the crowds as sheep without a shepherd. So God sees people differently than the way I see them a lot of times. Uh, the political types saw the crowds as minions who would support their cause or even be cannon fodder in their military conquest. Jesus was in the temple ministering one day, and it was, it was against the law of Moses to go into the temple with a withered arm, but yet Jesus saw a man's withered arm. If anybody else would have seen him, they'd have kicked him out. But Jesus had searching eyes. In fact, in the book of Revelation, he is described as, uh, as having eyes that blaze like fire. So in this, in this week and next week and the next week, we want to talk about learning to see what God sees, asking God to show us what he sees. Uh, this message starts our Go 2023 campaign. And one of the most exciting and important events on our calendar, as Jason already mentioned, this might prompt us to ask the question, uh, what is our destination? If we're going to go, what's our destination? What are we being, where are we being directed? And where is the end point of our journey? Let me explain something, as you will hear in this week and next week. In week three, Sherry's going to be speaking and uh, talking about local missions. Uh, one of the things I will, I will use the terminology that I want to make sure you understand the nomenclature, and that is the word house, the house. When I say the house, I mean this church. I mean this congregation. I mean this fellowship. Yeah, it's in, we can see it as this room, but it's not just this room. It's the people that are in this room, and the people that are going to be in this room in the next service. And some that, for different reasons, aren't going to be in the service today, but they're part of this congregation. They're part of this community. So when I say the house, I'm talking about us. Everybody say the house. The house. Think about that. What is the mission of the house? That's what we want to talk about this month. What is the mission of the house? The mission of the house is threefold. To encourage human flourishing. Wherever, whenever, wherever we are, we want to encourage human flourishing. Number two, we want to bring restoration to people and their circumstances. We want to bring restoration to people and their circumstances. We don't, we don't want any broken or messy situation that if we are involved in it, we want to make it better. We want to bring uh, beauty and restoration to every situation that we can, whether it's physical 
or spiritual or emotional or relational. Thirdly, uh, the mission of the house is to reconcile humans to God. That's the ultimate goal, is to reconcile humans to God and see everyone achieve the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said, but you will receive power. Now, this is kind of defines where this is to take place. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem and then all across Judea and Samaria, and then to the farthest corners of the earth. Jerusalem is the house. That's Jerusalem. I used to think Jerusalem was the community that I lived in. But no, Jerusalem, if you go back to the book of Acts, yes, it was, it was the city of Jerusalem, but the, the people in Jerusalem were, were God-educated. Um, I don't want to say they were all godly. They weren't. But they were all God-educated. And I don't suppose everyone that is in this house is godly yet either. <laughs> we're working on it, right? So Jerusalem is the local church. It's the house. Judea is the community at large in the region. The nations, of course, is the farthest corners of the earth. It's worth noting that the act of going has both a personal and a group significance, both an individual and a corporate significance. To go is not just an individual action, but it's collective action. And it's, a, it's crucial to acknowledge this fact. It is an individual action. That's what I'm going to talk about first this morning. The importance of going lies in that dual nature, which requires both personal and corporate involvement. And, and this is really important because otherwise, you might think that this service and next week and the next week, you might think it's just about raising that budget. And yeah, we're going to talk about that because it, it matters. But this, this, this thing of going is deeply spiritual. It's deeply spiritual. As Christy talked today about a, a, a surrender, a, a deeply spiritual surrender. So this is really about a deeply spiritual surrender. Of course, deeply spiritual surrender includes all of us. Uh, I don't know how many of you have seen that. I, I guess it's viral. I, I, someone sent it to me, and I sent it to a few people, of Deion Sanders. Uh, how many have seen that video of Deion Sanders talking about surrender? Only a couple. You, you ought to look that up. And I'm not sure where to look it up. It came to me on Facebook Messenger. But I, I tell you, it's, the most, it's one of the most powerful three or four minute messages I've ever heard on surrender. And I think a lot of you that are football fans, you know who Deion Sanders is. And even if you're not, you might be aware of who he is. But what an incredible message on surrender. So yes, surrender includes everything. Surrender does include your wallet. It does include your bank account. It does include your checkbook. It does include your, your investments. It does include your money. But, it, but it, it also includes something else. It, it, it's, it's about you. The, Paul talked about the Philippians. said they, they gave of their means, but they also gave themselves to us. So this is about you giving yourself. And it's about you going. It's about you not remaining where you are and you going where God sees the need. Where God sees. Going, it might be for... For some of you, it's going up to BCC see kids and offering to serve on a four-week rotation, bi-monthly rotation. For some of you, it's going to the parking lot with Tom Matero over here and welcoming members and guests and assisting those who need to park and come into the service. For some of you, it's going to the nursery and serving the least of these. For some of you, it's going to the hospitality team to love members and guests 
that helped to run this place and get this service run so smoothly. So for some of you, it's going to a community group to find out who needs your connection and your spiritual gifts. For some of you, it's going to the prayer partner team to come under the burden of prayer for the house, the community, and the world, and people's needs. Then then there's those personal callings that don't fit into a program in the house. And and furthermore, they happen both in the house and outside the house. That's moving beyond the norm of the church programs and organizational structure to serve people in and outside the faith community. Uh, It can be going to someone to serve them with friendship. Not because you need more friends, but because they need friends. It might be going to someone who needs discipleship. How They need to know how to engage in Scripture, how to understand the ways of God and develop the practices of the Christian life. And you may not be... You may not think you have it all together, but you probably have it together better than someone else does when it comes to knowing the ways of God and practicing the Christian faith and knowing the Scripture. And so you, you, you go where God sees. God sees people in this room who need you to disciple them, not through a program or not through a class, but through a relationship. Going also, it might be for you, go, it might be going to someone with hurts, habits, and hang-ups and the purpose of bringing them freedom and deliverance. Because for many of you, you've been there and you've, 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 had, you've, you've, you've wrestled with various kinds of addictions and you know what it feels like and you know how God has delivered you and you could really come alongside somebody and help them through that situation or you could help a, a spouse or a child who's having to live with someone who's addicted, and you could be a great source of encouragement. That doesn't fit into a program, but it's God's calling you. It it might be going to someone who has a broken heart or is struggling to carry the burdens of life and offer them, you have a gift of mercy. You have a natural gift of mercy, and you can go to them and offer them ministry and more than anything, offer them presence. Going might be going to a person who needs practical service and skills that you can provide, but they can't afford to pay the going rate for the floor that needs to be, that's rotting, or the roof that's leaking, or the, the, the car that needs to be repaired, but you have the gifts, and, and, and you, could, you, could, you could go if you would just let God call you aside to see that there are people with needs that you can meet. For somebody here today, and maybe several of you, it's going to the place of prayer. And I'm not just talking about joining the prayer partner ministry. I'm talking about that you are called by God to spend an inordinate amount of time praying and interceding for the needs of other people. No one may ever know that that's what you do. You, You may never, ever be on the church website for what you do. You may never, ever be on the church app for what you do. You may never be called the head of the prayer ministry. But you are an intercessor before God and you're making a difference in people's lives because you don't believe in staying where you are. You believe that the word that you believe that the word gospel begins with the word go. Let's look at perhaps the greatest go story in the Bible. I love this story. Outside of the Great Commission, I think it's the greatest go story in the Bible. Going is most often going to something or someone that we are not seeing. We're not noticing. They're outside of our regular relationship circle, our regular friendship circle, or our work or our family. It's going to someone or a group of someones that are not top of mind as far as you're concerned. 
Let's, let's read the scripture. I'd like to read all of it, all of chapter 3, but I'm only going to read the first eight verses today. And maybe we'll read the rest of them next week. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him. I, I, want, I want to make a note of that. Circle that or notate, make note of that. It was the mountain of God. But Moses didn't know it was the mountain of God. He had no idea it was the mountain of God. He had no idea what was going to happen on that mountain in his future. He didn't know that mountain was in his future. And some of you are here today and you're, you're at the mountain of God and you don't even know it. You're at the place that's going to define your future. So, he led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai of the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I understand that it wasn't necessarily uncommon for shepherds to see bushes that would erupt into flames in the hot desert. But this one burned and didn't burn up. God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned, take off your sandals, you are standing on holy ground, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, I have heard their cries of distress. Because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. And lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. See, I get a, there's so many insights in the story. It's hard to know where to start. But I, I think the first insight that I would point out to you today. And I would bring to mind. Is that God wants us to know what he is seeing in the world. Moses had no way of seeing what was happening in Egypt. He had started his journey in Egypt, as most of you know. He was born as a baby in Egypt to Jewish parents at a time when Pharaoh was killing all the uh, baby boys, or having them killed, that were born in Egypt because he was trying to control uh, this, um, this nation that had grown to nearly two million people. He was trying to control them, maintain them as a workforce, because we believe the Jews built the pyramids in Egypt. He was trying to maintain them as a workforce, but not let them become too powerful that they could threaten him. And so Moses was scheduled for death, but through, a, through a, the, I believe, the miracle of God and a wise mom and dad, they hid him from the Egyptian henchmen, and they eventually put him in uh, when he got too old for them to hide, they put him in a basket in the river, and there he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh t took him and raised him as a son of Pharaoh. And in those of you who know the story, you know the, another miracle of the story is that Moses' sister was watching to see the baby and keeping watch over the baby in the Nile River. And when she saw the, the, the Pharaoh's daughter uh, had picked up the child, and was, was affectionate toward the child. She ran up to the Pharaoh's daughter and said, uh, how would you like for me to find one of the Hebrew women who could nurse this child? And so she went and, of course, and found Moses' mother. So Moses, at least in his infancy, until he was weaned, he was, he was uh, nurtured and nourished by his mother. 
And so that was, his, that was his beginning. And then as he grew into manhood, he began to realize who he was. And he began to realize that his, his, his people were being oppressed even then by the Egyptians. And one day he saw two Egyptians. He saw an Egyptian persecuting and oppressing an Israelite, I meant to say. And he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. The next day, two, two Jewish men got in an argument. And he stepped in to try to settle the argument. And they said, who do you think you are? You're... You think you're going to kill one of us like you did the Egyptian. And so Moses realized he was, um, he was outed, and so he ran. He ran to Midian where he met his wife, and he, he got married and had a couple of children, and he began, became a shepherd. So he had lost touch. He didn't see what was happening. I'm sure he cared, but why care? You know, a lot of us feel that way right now. It's like... Yeah, I care about all the stuff that's happening in the world, but what's the point? What's the point in caring? I, I, I choose not to see it. God was, was saying, I have an important assignment for you. See, here's the thing. God wasn't berating Moses. He wasn't criticizing or judge Moses, judging Moses. He was validating and affirming him. God wasn't berating him. God wasn't saying, what, what's wrong with you? Why, don't, why aren't you helping your people? God wasn't doing that at all. And God's not doing that to you. God's not berating you this morning. He's not saying, why don't you see the people? What's wrong with you that you don't see the people that are need? I, I thought you could see. God doesn't expect you to see. God only expects you to see Him. And when you start seeing Him, you will start seeing what you need to see in the world. God wants you to see the world through Him. God wants you to see the world through His eyes. God wants you to hear the world and the world around you, including the people in the world that's in the house. God wants you to see through, hear through his ears. It's like God was saying, as many of us grew up watching Mission Impossible, I have an important assignment for you. My, you are my choice. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. Your mission should be to choose to accept it is blank. As always, you sh should you or any of you your I am forced to be caught or killed. The secretary will disavow any knowledge of your action. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. <laughs> good luck, Moses. No, it wasn't the good luck, Moses, was it? What stands out to me is that Moses was being called to go where God saw and to see what God saw as opposed to what Moses could see. God wants you to know what he sees in the world. God wants you to know that he sees people in the world that you don't see. God sees people in this room that you can't see. God sees people on your, in your neighborhood that you can't see. God sees people in Minden that you can't see. And of course God sees people in the Philippines that you can't see. God wants you to know that he discerns people in ways that you can't. God understands people in ways that you can't. You must move close to God. The second thing that I wanted to point out to you today is we have to turn aside to see what God is seeing in the world. The King James Bible says Moses turned aside to see. I think sometimes our problem is that we don't turn aside to see because... Um, we're really busy. <laughs> How many of you are really busy? Right? We're really busy. We learn that all the time. 
trying to manage a church schedule. We'll, we'll work really hard to put on an event and, for you and budget it and put it on the calendar. And boy, if, if we don't let you know like six years ahead, <laughs> it's not that you don't want to come. It's not that you're, it's not that you're trying to be difficult. You just got stuff to do. You got people. That you got people that you need, to, that you have to take care of, and things you have to show up for. Uh, I, I believe Western civilization, we've especially become busy. And, and, and I don't want to get into a long rabbit trail about busyness and all of that, but we, we have become overscheduled. Our lives are so overscheduled. It's so easy to get overscheduled. And so uh, I'm going to challenge us all, though. I'm going to challenge all of us right now that we must turn aside to see what God sees. We must turn aside to see the burning bush. We must turn aside from an inflexible schedule. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time. I will promise you, you don't have time. You don't have time. Your schedule is packed and it's inflexible. But we must figure out how to turn aside from an inflexible schedule. We must figure out how to turn aside from always prioritizing career, security, and money over everything else. Moses wasn't, Moses had, um, had a full life too. Moses, Moses was all set. He didn't need to go see the burning bush to have something to do. He had a family. He had a career. He had, everything was all set. He was prepared that this is how he would live and die. But one day, he turned aside from prioritizing his life to see what God was seeing. Another thing that, that keeps us from turning aside is those important roles that limit our ability to turn aside. Your role as a spouse. Your role as a parent. Important. Super important. You know, I want to make sure you understand that. We think the family is incredibly important at Bethany Community Church. We put a lot of resources into the family. Bethany Christian Academy is really about family. It's about trying to help families raise children who know the Lord and children who are, uh, who are, who are versed in the ways of God. So we really deeply care about that. And we've started a family foundation, so we really, really care about the family deeply. But if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you will never see any needs outside your own family. You, you will never see any needs. outside. Your nuclear family will become so amazingly important to you and such a treasure to you and your children and getting, getting them to soccer practice and hockey practice and football practice and baseball practice and dance practice and dance recitals and, and school events and, and trips and clothes shopping and everything else that, 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 that involved with raising children, you will never have time to see anything, any other needs in the world except the needs of your children. And I get it. I get it. Especially, especially if you birth those children. 
There's just nothing that quite bonds you to. I would, I would suppose, I can't speak from experience, but I would suppose that nothing quite bonds you to a person like that. So for me to get up here and say, well, you need to think about somebody else. Well, after my kids are graduated from college, then we'll talk about any other type of ministry. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. I'm not telling you what to do exactly. But the only thing I'm telling you to do is turn aside to see the burning bush and find out if God may see something. And God knows. Let me tell you this. God knows how to utilize the gifts and abilities and anointings of your life to reach the people that are unreached in the house, in the Jerusalem, in Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. God knows how to do it and still take care of your kids. It's not either or. And I think, if anything, if Sherry and I might be able to advise you on it's that. If any area of our life where we, we, we might have some credibility. If you can raise kids, give them tons of attention, take care of them, and do the work of God at the same time. In, in fact, you better. If you want kids who love God, if you want kids who love the church, if you want kids who aren't totally self-centered, you will let them see you giving yourself away to others outside the family and say that really loud. Say it loud. Let them do it with you. Let them do it with you. That is brilliant. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Let them do it with you. And boy, I, I, could, I could go off on a rabbit trail on that because, and I, we will, I want to get back to that because what's happened in the world, and, and we, can't, we can't fix everything that's happened in the world. We can't go back to the days... When, when you had a lot of children because there was so much to do. That's why you had a lot of children. <laughs> you had a lot of kids because there was so much work to do. And so you had, you know, those people that had 12 and 13 and 11 children. The reason they had all those kids is because they had like 2,000 acres they needed to take care of with a bunch of cows. <laughs> and so they needed some free labor, you know. Uh, it, but what we lost when we lost that is we lost the missional family. We no longer have the missional family anymore. It, it, it's, I, I mean, I'm saying we no longer, we, we have it, but it's not organic. It's not natural anymore to have a missional family. And I believe, you know, and please say amen when I finish saying this. Uh, <laughs> I believe God is trying to re restore the missional family. I do, I do. So an important way to do it, the only way to do it, is to have a mission. <laughs> if you don't have a mission outside of the nuclear family, how are you going to have a missional family? It's not possible. So Moses had. To, so we need to turn aside from our roles that limit our reach. We need to turn aside from the tyranny of closed concepts. The tyranny of closed concepts. I believe this is huge. This is what I do. This is who I am. Closed concept. Instead of open to whatever God might want to do with your life. Finally, you know how much we believe around here in the importance of, of a well-developed self. We believe in the importance of well-developed self. And probably, how many of you, how many of you in somewhere at work or in school, 
you did some type of personality uh, quiz or test. How many have done some type of personality? Raise your hand real high. I, not as, quite as many as I thought. I, I think some of you are, don't want to tell me. <laughs> I'd say about 50% raise their hand, and, and another 25% for some reason don't want to participate. <laughs> but most of us, even if we haven't, we've figured out, you know, there, there used to be the, the, the big four, uh, you know, and I won't even try to name them because I'll forget one and it'll blow the whole illustration. So, But you know what they are. You, you know, they, they, we have the Enneagram, the Myers and Briggs, and all these different things. Anyway, we, have, we even used to give spiritual gifts tests. So, so you kind of figured out who you are. Now, that's great. That's great. But not, it's not great when you can't obey God because of who you think you are. You might be an introvert, but the burning bush experience may tell you you need to speak up. If you're going to go with God, you can't be bound by the habitual tendencies of your personality. Maybe you're somebody who just likes to work, and that's all you want to do. You don't like to hang out with people, but you just want to work. That's some of you are like that. And some of you don't like to work. You like to hang out. And that, that's your personality. It's not that you're lazy. You're just wired. You, you need to do a job. You're happiest is if you can do a job that involves a lot of socialization and social stimulation. You're going to be the happiest person if you have that kind of a job. Some of you, the happiest you could be is to work in a cubicle and never have to talk to anybody. That would be your joy. Nothing wrong with being who you are. God will use you who, who you are, but you must not let the habitual tendencies of your personality to determine what you do in obedience to God. Because God will call the introvert to speak up. God will call the obligation-bound person who always just wants to do projects. He will call them to hang out with somebody one day and another day and another day. And he will call the person who is, who is, uh, who is the social butterfly, he will call them to do a project. Now, sometimes God can't order the world according to your personality. Somebody say Amen. Go where God sees, and you will discover the greatness of God. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Matthew 6.33. This is a mystery. This is a paradox. This is a great holy adventure. Moses had used his own vision to try to be a justice activist, and it nearly destroyed him. But this time it was different. The people were now crying out for deliverance. The people were now crying out. The situation was ready. God is, wants to lead you to people who are crying out for help. God, You see, God has people and circumstances that are ready right now. You have permission to move on from people that aren't ready to change. You have God's permission to move on. But there are some people that are ready I believe the student prayer meetings that are happening around the country right now, the Jesus Revolution movie that I understand the first weekend it grossed 15 million, way more than anybody thought possible. 
It's competing with some more highly acclaimed films in the theaters. The current growth at Bethany Community Church and the current spiritual growth that I feel here tell me that this is go time. Are you ready to go? Now, we want to... uh, Our goal... Here's my goal. Let me tell you. My goal is that every person in the house will make a pledge. That's my goal. I don't care if it's, if it's $10 a month. My goal is that every person will participate. Yes, we, we have an amount. I, I believe it's... Uh, I believe it... I, I believe we're... I believe... Jay, help me with the number. I think we're... Aren't we... Is it up there? Uh, I see the goal is 50000 but our current level of giving... Is like, last year? Yeah. 14, so we, we, we gave away a, a lot more. What, what did we actually end up giving? 37,000 or? 37,000. So we gave away 37,000 emissions, but we only took in 14. So we have a long ways to go. And we are concerned about that number. We do need to reach that number. But my first concern is I want everyone to participate because this is a spiritual thing. I want everyone to participate. So uh, certainly, I know that some of you will, will, will feel led to give a one-time gift. That's fine. We appreciate that very much. And, and for some, somebody, there's always people, God bless you, and we, we're so thankful over the years. There's people who, who uh, have the ability or God moves them to give uh, enormous amounts of money. I mean, it's been wonderful through the years to see needs be met in great ways. I'm talking about numbers like $25,000, $50,000, dollars we have had gifts of those size. And so maybe there's somebody here that that's what, you, that's what you'd like to do. You're just going to give $10,000. And, 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 and that there are people that are able to do that. And there's some, many of you are not able to do that. That's fine. I'm not so concerned about that right now. I want you to participate. So, uh, ushers, would you come and stand, please? And I want you to st- come in. I want you to stand facing the congregation. And uh, everybody uh, who, who, who wants a pledge card, uh, maybe, you know, maybe you need to go pray about it and you're going to do it next Sunday. That's fine as well. Or you need to talk to your spouse about it. That's fine. No problem. But if you're ready today, raise your hand, and they'll give you a card. Hands going up all over the building. <laughs> that's, what, that's what evangelists used to say when people accept Jesus. There's hands going up all over the building. Oh, that, that's a bad, bad joke. While those are passed out, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to go ahead and get in place because we're going to pray uh, we, we want you to be prayed for for your needs today. So I want to ask the prayer partners to get in place. And I love these prayer Aren't they great? Just give them a hand. Yes. We got, we got our new prayer partners today. Make sure and put them to work. Make sure and put them to work. We'll wait just a moment while the cards are being passed out. Give everybody a moment. I'm going to say a prayer at the end of the prayer. I want you to uh, put down that pledge amount and then uh, the ushers will come back and take them up.
Father, I thank you for the burning bush experience. And I pray that everybody will have the burning bush experience. That moment when they sit beside him, maybe for some of them it, it happened in the sermon this morning or happened in the songs this morning. But they turned aside to see what God was seeing. And may we have the courage to go where you're going, Lord, and go where you're seeing, God. Because there are people that are suffering. There are people that are hurting. We have this throughout the scripture. That there are needs that do go unmet if we don't, if we don't obey you. Because that's your plan. Is that, you would, that we would be the instruments through which you would work in the world. So I pray to God that you would put the number in people's hearts who took a pledge card. And we thank you for them. We thank you for your presence and your ability to lead us. In the name of Jesus.